0: This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, Owe Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. to the Politics, Politics, Politics program for Friday, December 2nd, 2022. Your old pal, Justin Robert Young, joining you from Chile, Austin, Texas. Here on the program, we're going to talk about the incoming and now official leader of the House Democrats, Hakeem Jeffries, being voted this week to lead that group. Who is he? Who are his allies and what can you expect from the man who now walks in the footsteps that were once Nancy Pelosi's as Nancy Pelosi watches him do it? Very odd. Nancy Pelosi named Speaker Emerita, so she still has a title. We'll talk all about that. We're gonna uh, do a little mailbag. It's been a while since we've done a an actual mailbag uh, for this program, but guess what? News is slowing down here uh, as as we come into the station for the end of the year. Uh, no pun on the rail strike, but we are we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna sprinkle these in here. So I want you guys to keep sending your uh, sending your emails about the show and topics to the young american at gmail.com. Dot com because, you know, we still got this real estate. Let's go ahead and play around with it. Send your goofy stuff, too. You know, the uh, horse-sized duck or a uh, 100 duck-sized horses, that kind of stuff. And we are going to have another conversation with Brian Brushwood, my co-host on many things, the, uh, the voice uh, and, and co-writer of, co-creator of World's Greatest Con, and, of course, my comedy partner on The Great Night Podcast, But we had him on a year ago talking about his, the thing that actually makes him the most money, which is his online store, ScamStuff.com, specifically in the world of COVID disruptions. So that was a year ago, one year on, what has changed, what hasn't, and what is he going to need to understand is quite simply the new normal. All that. Bedford. This Wednesday, House Democrats elected Hakeem Jeffries as their new leader. Who is Hakeem Jeffries? Well, he is a representative that represents the Bedford-Stuyvesant neighborhood of Brooklyn, New York. Obviously, it is Nancy Pelosi who vacates that slot, but there's also a bit of a shakeup in the top leadership. Because Steny Hoyer, who also had been the loyal lieutenant to Nancy Pelosi, a reminder Nancy Pelosi, often revered as one of the smartest, shrewdest vote counters that has ever existed in Washington, D.C., was always very smart to keep her entire leadership as old, if not older, than she was. So nobody would be able to say, well, there's somebody in your own cadre that maybe you should get the nod to. No, 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 no. She wanted to be able to handpick somebody from outside of her little uh, uh, leadership group, and that's exactly what they did. But Stanley Hoyer uh, ascended to that number two post along with Pelosi. And now Jim Clyburn is going to become the uh, uh, number two in the Democratic Party. He was the House majority whip. Clyburn also pretty old, but somebody that uh, is going to be a little bit of a continuity between the two. Said Jeffries, this is a moment of transition. We stand on the shoulders of... Giants. Now, there is no doubt. And we had our boy Dave Leventhal on this program a few weeks ago talking about how old leadership in Washington is. And Jeffries, who is 52, is by Washington standards, uh, effectively a nubile co-ed. He is five years younger than the House Minority Leader and likely new Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy, 20 years younger than Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, and 28 years younger than Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, although Jeffrey's ascension does mean that the top four in leadership between the House and the Senate will all, again, be men. However, Jeffries, if you are playing the identity politics bingo card, will indeed be the first black leader of a congressional party in United States history. So who does Jeffries bring up with him? Well, Massachusetts Representative Catherine Clark will now serve as whip taking over for Clyburn and California Representative Pete Aguilar will serve as the caucus cheer cheer, will serve as the caucus chair. This is the new face of democratic power. A quote again from new leader Jeffries. The three of us embrace the enthusiasms, exuberances, and eccentricities of the House and what it magically represents as an institution and look forward to leaning into it as leaders. So, The other big thing here is that the new house is going to have to understand that the world it sees will be different than the world that it has seen over the last few years, especially if Donald Trump is indeed on the downturn of his influence within the Republican party. The last six years have essentially been dominated for one reason or another by Donald Trump, COVID, or Donald Trump. This has been the issue. There hasn't been a lot of breathing room beyond Biden's agenda to get in the way. And when Biden's agenda was there, it was almost the only thing that they couldn't agree on. It was the, the kind of work that Pelosi really had to put through was to balance very, very, very delicately the issues with the Congressional Progressive Caucus as well as the more entrenched interests that wanted to move forward with their traditional path through the White House's bidding. And then, of course, you had some of the, the uh, uh, you know, blue state Democrats that wanted to put salt back, blah, 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 blah. What we're going to see is more of the latter, theoretically, or we're going to see some other gigantic world-changing issue for which, Jeffries will be the one to have to do it. I I do think that this was a very good time for Pelosi to go. Nobody wants to give up power, and hell, Pelosi didn't want to give up power so much that she didn't actually leave. But if you want to be able to pivot to a new kind of leadership strategy, this is the moment to do it. And, you know, as we're going to get to in a second, You got to really wonder how long the leash is on Jeffries, but we'll get to that. Jeffries is going to have to get along with his counterpart in the Senate, especially because Kevin McCarthy, the likely Speaker of the House for the Republicans, is going to have the majority. Right now, there is not much of a relationship between Representative Jeffries, Leader Jeffries, and leader McCarthy. Jeffries told DC press that he's been gentle on McCarthy over the years, only responding to things that have either been said or done that I find to be outrageous. But he has continually said that he does have a good relationship with incoming Republican majority leader, Steve Scalise. But he still has an open mind about McCarthy. Here's the reality of of, of that. At a certain point, Both of these men who are going to be coming into power need to come to at least some sort of rules of operation when it comes to removing people from their appointments. By the end of the Nancy Pelosi reign, we had Marjorie Taylor Greene being removed. We had Paul Gozer being removed. McCarthy is coming in saying, "Okay, you got two of ours. How about we take out three of yours? How about we take out Ilhan Omar? How about we take Eric Swalwell out? So there there is room now to say, okay, either we continue to do this, you get one of mine, I get two of you stuff, and eventually nobody's on a committee ever, or we come up with some kind of rules of the road for which we can agree on moving forward. Well, let's get into the raw power lines here. The reason why Jeffries and the people that will ascend into his leadership are going to be powerful are because they already come from powerful blocks. Specifically, Jeffries has strong support with the Congressional Black Caucus. Clark has the pulse of the progressive wings and allies amongst the growing number of women on the House Democratic Caucus and Aguilar hails from the Congressional Hispanic Caucus with extensive backing inside the powerful California delegation. Now, something to keep an eye on, according to Punchbowl. Who will Jeffries tap as the DCCC chair? Reminder that the guy who led that, which, by the way, they overperformed in the midterms, also lost his own seat and will not be joining Congress. The new rules change Will allow Jeffries to nominate his pick, which will be subject to the caucus's ratification. But will Jeffries take a pass on nominating somebody and let the caucus decide itself? Or will Jeffries put his stamp on things and push for his choice in an early test of internal political acumen? Jeffries has, as of yet, not revealed his views on it, but you got to imagine that we're going to see it soon. More good reporting from Politico. Here are Hakeem Jeffries' biggest allies outside of Congress. Cedric Grant. Grant was Jeffries' chief of staff and now works at Subject Matter, a lobbying shop. Grant has lobbied for the American Gaming Association, the American Investments Council, Barclays, Block Inc., Bloomberg Philanthropies, Epic Games, Goldman Sachs, Hilton, and Blackstone, they also count Mike McKay, a New York insider who lobbies for Empire Consulting Group. He has in the past represented American Airlines, Bank of America, Boeing, FedEx, Gilead, and Nike. He is also very close to the Congressional Black Caucus. And Patrick Gaspard. Gaspard serves as, uh, served rather as the U.S. Ambassador of South Africa under former President Barack Obama. He's now the president of the Center for American Progress. Jeffries and Gaspard came close in New York and know each other from when Gaspard was the top official of the 1199 SEIU United Healthcare Workers East. Let's get back to that idea, though. When you take your job and you are replacing a legendary, uh, legendary, when you are replacing a legend figure, And make no mistake, whether or not you like her or not, Nancy Pelosi is somebody that will eventually have a building named after her in Washington, D.C. She will have some kind of statue somewhere. She is an icon in Democratic politics. Her very brand being something that both Democrats and Republicans alike could raise millions and millions of dollars off of is enough. But the people in D.C. know even more. I ran into some people that used to be chiefs of staff up on the hill. And they speak of her, even from across the aisle, in hushed, reverent tones when it comes to her knowing exactly what the score is and exactly how to play stuff. So now you're in that job. Congratulations, you're now following a legend. Never the best spot to be in always the best spot to be the guy who replaces the guy who replaces the legend. But even more so, the legend's not gone. Nancy Pelosi isn't taking an ambassadorship. Nancy Pelosi hasn't left Washington. Nancy Pelosi isn't going to be with her husband in San Francisco. No, she's still going to be in Washington as a backbencher. All I'll say is this. How long is that leash? How many failures, perceived or otherwise, needs to happen before it begins to be a little bit of a whisper? You know, Nancy could do it. reminder that this show is supported by you the listeners of this program specifically those that head to takepoliticsseriously.com again takepoliticsseriously.com is where you need to go to get two bonus episodes of this program each and every week A bonus episode on Monday morning that summarizes all the Sunday talk shows and lays out what the agenda of the powerful DC elite would like you to be thinking about going into this week. There's always very, very telling, very telling both from the media side. It's telling from the from the from the the, uh, politician side. It's always telling to see who is going on multiple shows. We break all of that down for you on the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday edition of px3 and then of course there's the late edition this show on friday is recorded at various points earlier during the week so the latest that we cover news is on that thursday show and there's a lot of stuff that as i'm recording this right now we don't have answers to We don't have answers on the rail strike we don't have answers on what the fed chairman gave a speech and, and talked about whether or not he is hinting that he might be relenting in some of his rate hikes. Oh no. We will on Thursday, and you can get that information by heading on over to takepoliticsseriously.com. That is our Patreon. Thank you very much.
1: me I go deep in my bag and I tell them I
0: showed sure Oh yeah, it's mailbag time. The young American at gmail.com. Again, the young American at gmail.com. Andrew writes, I live in Colorado Springs, which is the red hot center of a rapidly bluing state. At the time that the new red flag law was passed in this state, the sheriff of sheriff of El Paso County in which Colorado Springs resides said he would not enforce it. And he never has. Of course, Colorado Springs is where the club Q shooting happened. There was a lot of conversation about whether or not that law, that red flag law that would allow law enforcement to deny certain people who are a danger to themselves or others from buying a gun. If that law would have helped. Well, the sheriff said he was never going to use it. And indeed, he didn't there. Now, the current sheriff has not sought re-election, the one that just happened at the beginning of November. But the newly elected sheriff was his number two, so you would probably expect policies to stay the same. During the lockdown, the governor's office and the Springs local government did a lot of squabbling in the media over policy. And we played a clip of Jared Polis on Meet the Press reminded me of those fights. The local politics around here are almost reflexively anti jared Polis. So I expect a doubling down on non-enforcement because of what Polis said. Although, Andrew pointed out that the local newspaper, which tends to trend conservative, was very much awash in tribute and rainbow flags after the shooting at Club Q. You know, I... This is one of those things where like, I'm just very glad that I operate as just one star in a constellation of content that I I believe shares one ethos, which is, can we please just understand what the hell is happening instead of being told what is happening. And so what I do with that is for politics and, and optics and strategy. I'm trying to do my best to break this down for you guys. So you guys can understand why things are happening, why people talk this way. But my friend Andrew Heaton on the Political Orphanage does a great job of understanding systems, the systems of government, the philosophies of government, and where the two meet. And that's the one thing we're going to have Stephen Gutowski on next week, uh, talking about the, the the new push for gun laws. And one of the things that I really want to talk to him about because it's something that i've seen more and more and more is that as we talk about gun laws we also need to talk about enforcement of those laws and the consequences of the enforcement of those laws or the non-enforcement of those laws and how much anybody has the ability to force it because in the same way that here in austin texas they have decided that they will no longer have a a police directive to arrest anybody for carrying under a certain amount of weed, despite the fact that weed is federally illegal, you can have local law enforcement in Colorado Springs say, yeah, I know I have the tool to use a red flag law, but I so much believe in the Second Amendment that I would not deprive anybody's right to have it. Obviously, everybody else in that town has an ability to voice their frustration with that. But still, the operating of these systems is something that I always find fascinating. And I think in the line of work that I spend the most time on, politics, it tends to get overrun. Everything can be solved at the ballot box in politics. Everything can be solved on a Senate floor or on the House floor, or on the president's desk in politics, because those are the things that politicians actually do. They don't actually see whether or not the intended consequence of their action will reverberate all the way down the chain. And by the way, I don't know if they should. They're looking at the things that they can control in the way that all humans look at the things that they're able to control. And then for the rest of it, you just kind of throw up your hands. But for us, the enlightened few who want to know what the hell is happening in our world, I do think that it's important to remember that just because you decree something does not mean that it always happens. Adam writes, I'm... Fully not sure if Cocaine Mitch is something that you coined, but I've certainly never heard it anywhere else. But I did just hear Sarah Isger from The Dispatch drop it on KCRW's Left, Right, and Center podcast, much to the host's amusement. In my headcanon, it's all due to you. Now, Adam did also send another email right after that that said, oh, I remember it was from a kooky political ad. And he's right. The legendary Don Blankenship, who was running in Tennessee, I believe. Well, it wasn't even in Kentucky. He wasn't running against Mitch McConnell. He was just saying that he would ditch Mitch McConnell as a Senate majority leader, then Senate majority leader. And he was going to ditch cocaine Mitch because there was a thing with Mitch's wife owns shipping lines. And there was a bust on one of those ships with a bunch of cocaine on it. And so that made Mitch McConnell a cocaine runner and it made him cocaine Mitch. But then when Don Blankenship lost his election, Mitch McConnell's team put Mitch's head on the Narcos poster with a gigantic cocaine explosion behind him. And so cocaine Mitch was born. I would give credit to conservative Twitter for that, but I am very happy to be a loyal soldier in keeping alive the term cocaine Mitch because I think it's very funny. I, I will take full credit for using the 03 Greedo Kenny Beat song, uh disco S-word, as the the official. Audio drop, though. That is all me. The, uh, uh I used to traffic cocaine. That, that is something that, that, uh, was a PX3 exclusive. So, not my thing. I am very fascinated by it. I'm going to give Twitter the, the credit for popularizing it. But that song, the O3 Greedo song, that edition, that was, that was indeed all me. Jim writes, your latest show with Michael Cohen is why you have become my go-to guy for politics. It was such an uplifting, vulnerable, and fascinating discussion. You have a gift for bringing out of people that you've brought on the PX3 world. Let me just tell you something about Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen is somebody that has such an open heart. He is an infectious personality. Um, You know, when you're... When you're a reporter, you tend to get a fairly quick sense for whether or not somebody wants to talk to you and whether or not you should push. You know, really, what what makes a good reporter and a bad reporter is often your ability to figure out how to get something out of somebody or how to, and, and that makes it sound like you're you're trying to, like, intrude. But really... You want to put people's minds at ease on what you're asking about, exactly what you wanted for and exactly what you were looking for. And as soon as people feel comfortable with you, then they are more likely to help you write your story, you know, to, to do uh, good work. So between that and then I would also say the other quickest judge of, of character that you could have is when we were selling the contender at conventions, Boy, can you figure out real quick who is looking to buy a game and who is looking to just have a conversation with you. That being said, Michael Cohen is somebody that I've talked to a few times on the show. But when I said that I was coming out to Virginia to cover the Yunkin race, he was over the moon, invited me out to his favorite brewery uh, uh, so he could could show me around. Probably would have done more. If uh, uh, you know, I had I the time was was very, you know, I was just recently in DC and and we were trying to figure something out. That doesn't happen often. It it is because Michael Cohen is somebody that really, really, really is a nice guy. So to hear that he had the the health concern, that was heartbreaking to me. And then his his desire, because he set that interview up. I, I wasn't going to push him for something like that. It was it was him that did it, and uh, you know it, it just it meant a lot. It meant a lot to be able to be trusted for that, and that's what I felt. I, I felt trusted when he he wanted to do it. So, if you guys enjoyed it, I hope so. I really tried to make it something especially for the holiday season that was worthwhile to listen to. Uh, again, this is about the time that news slows down. And so instead of trying to, to, you know, a- act like Donald Trump eating with Nick Fuentes and, and Kanye is the Cuban missile crisis. I would rather give you guys stuff like that. And I was, I was honored to be able to do it with, Mr. Michael Cohen. Jerry writes, so I was listening to a recent This American Life episode that talked about the issue of gerrymandering, and I had a question. It might seem like a stupid question for people in the know, but a Google search didn't really answer it. How do they determine the number of Republicans and Democrats in a particular area? I live in Michigan, and as far as I can determine, they do not ask which party party you are when you register to vote. Do I have it wrong? Do other states have you registered to a particular party? Do they determine it by voting history? What if you vote for Democrats in one position, but Republicans in another? So who wrote this? Who wrote this? Jerry. There's a few ways you do it. Number one. Yeah. In some states you are registering by party. And so at the very least you can say by county. All right. There are this many Republicans, this many Democrats. State parties keep track of those things, especially when you are doing voter registration drives. Those state parties will often come out with those numbers and say, we've registered X amount of Republicans and they will know where you are. The other side of it is personal campaigns. You know, there's a reason why if you want to go volunteer, attend a rally, they be they meeting the campaigns will get your data. They will know who you are. But more specifically, when we are talking about gerrymandering, gerrymandering is the creation of congressional districts. Right? It's like you know here PSA then now forever. Whenever anybody talks about gerrymandering, and they're talking about voting for president or for senate or for governor. Please tell them to shut up. They don't know what they're talking about. Gerrymandering exists solely in the world of the House of Representatives. So, you know, you can, you can call it a problem. You can say it's a problem. But it's a problem in this area, in state houses and in the House of Representatives because those are where those districts lie. So, since those districts vote often, it's not every six years like the Senate, not every four years like the president. It's every two years. So you have a pretty good idea of who is coming out and voting for each of those seats. You know, if it's a purple seat, it could go red or blue. You know, if it's a, a, a pretty safe red seat or if, you know, it's a blood red seat or a, or, or a deep blue seat. You, you, you know these things because you actually have the best political data there is that happens the most often. And that's voting. But beyond that, you also have county numbers. So the counties that are in those congressional districts also produce who voted and how many people voted on either side. That is how the county numbers are how you will see votes come in on election night. That's not done by congressional district. That's done by county. So. When you see these crazy districts, it's often because they are trying to loop in multiple different counties or the areas of some counties where you know if, let's say, there's a a county that is suburban to a city and on one side it is uh, gigantic palatial mansions but it is also an industrial area then they'll probably try to cut out the industrial area if it's a, a you're trying to draw, like, I don't know. I was going to say a Republican seat, but now that neighborhood also is the kind of people that vote for Raphael Warnock. So if one party or another, depending on where it was voting, wanted to get the best, safest seat, then they would not put in anything that could possibly take that away from them. And so they would cut out the industrial area and just leave the place with the gated community. But that's the data that you're looking at. You're looking at county data and you're looking at vote data that comes in from each congressional vote, which again happens very, 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 very often. Okay, TheYoungAmerican at gmail.com. Again, TheYoungAmerican at gmail.com. Before the end of the year, man, we're probably going to do a few of these. We're going to get a little weird with it as we come closer and closer to the beginning of 2023 when we are going to see the new Congress sworn in we're going to really get ramped back up that'll be the 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 real beginning of our primary season but up until then let's let's be a little fun go ahead and send in your emails make them silly make them wild the young American at gmail.com regardless of what is going to happen with the rail system, we still have a gigantic issue that has not yet gone away since the emergence of COVID. And that is a straining of our supply chain. For the last 20 years prior to that, we have continued to push manufacturing of American goods outside of America. And I got to tell you, as somebody who's manufactured goods, once in America, uh, it's hard to say that you should ever do it again unless you have a gigantic margin or you very, very, very much want to prove a point. Here's something that's just a reality. For anybody who's runs a small business, or has worked in any kind of, of, of business, everything's so much more expensive than you think it is. And so with cheap prices often coming from places like China, You have to be realistic that when that free or cheap manufacturing, not free, but I mean, comparatively, almost, all of a sudden runs into problems, not only with the lockdown, but also with the fact that China is a zero COVID country and they will shut down cities. It compounds the fact that Chinese manufacturing also has its quirks. For example, Chinese New Year is something that for people who manufacture out there, We'll shut down factories for a month, maybe more. Now it's even less reliable, and it's getting more expensive, and the shipping was getting harder and harder and harder. We tried to take the temperature of a small business owner last year, and we did. We had a conversation with my friend, Brian Brushwood, who runs his online store, scamstuff.com, gear for the modern rogue, which, by the way, are running fantastic sales even now, to see how he was getting along and the year ago it was pretty grim he didn't have new products the product line that he had set up for that year had almost entirely fallen apart and he was hoping that in the coming year the year that's about to end a lot of that would fix itself so did it well we will have to ask the man himself brian brushwood welcome to the show buddy Oh, my gosh. Thank goodness you have an expert in so many large global interconnected networks (laughs) here. Uh, One year ago, we had a conversation about how your uh, website, scamstuff.com, which again, has many great deals for the holiday season uh, (laughs) uh, for uh, uh, Gear for the Modern Rogue. If you have a, a father-in-law or a nephew that you do not know what to get for them, uh, let alone a brother or a son or a daughter, uh, please head over there right now. Well, uh, by
1: the way, to that point, I've I've actually, and this is on a personal note before we talk about running the store, on a personal note, I've made the habit of buying a bunch of gifts and then figuring out... Who will take them? Who gets them? So, yeah. So, uh, for example, one of the gifts you're going to get from me this year is one that I bought seven of (laughs) because I'm like, that's a rad gift. So I bought seven of them and I'm like, okay, who would like to (laughs) get C's?
0: One year ago, you laid out uh, 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 some some fairly big challenges that still existed with the supply chain. Uh, uh, You didn't have new product that you could sell in the store, right? You had stuff that was slated to be available by last year's holiday season that were not available. Right. Uh, you had a lot of optimism that as we were at that point, post vaccine, but we were into the, the Omicron wave, uh, you were, you were hopeful that things would begin to return back to normal one year on how much of that happened. How much of it didn't and what new challenges did you find? I'm really excited
1: that you have brought me back to that point a year ago, because when I look at, uh, when I'm comparing how we're doing this year, it's tempting to compare it to two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, or whatever our best year was or so on. Um, we're, we're two and a half times higher than we were last year. Yeah. So I, and weirdly we still have the same supply chain problems Normally, every fall, we have a new puzzle box experience and a new deck of cards and all that stuff. So, for the second year in a row, we don't. But we did earlier this year in March, we managed to get the Kraken out. Uh, so that, that, that's a puzzle box. I guess uh, that's not the phrase. You don't say, Get the Kraken out. <laughs> you, you say, Release the Kraken, right? Sure. We, we, yes. we
0: did release the Kraken. Uh, and we have. And that was what you had wanted to have ready for last year's correct. holiday season. But because of the supply chain, it comes in late. And so then it's like, all right, well, there's no point in, in let's make it a big deal in like right. what Q1 or Q2. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I,
1: I guess whatever late March is. So beginning okay. of Q2. Yeah. Right. So, uh, this year we, uh, I, we, we also had to do some pivoting. Uh, we didn't have as many new things as I would like, but one of the things that we were able to do is to make tactical changes. For example, I noticed that for 10 years now we've had the Brian Brushwood book test. It's a magic trick that is for either very high end collectors or touring professionals. They're very difficult to make. They're very expensive to make. And every year I felt smart because we would drop the price from $400 a unit to $200 a unit. And then we would sell out. And this was the year that I'm like, Oh wait, if you sell out of a thing, then that means demand was greater than you were able to provide for. So Two months ago, we didn't wait until Black Friday. We just said, "Hey, some of you guys have figured out for ten years we always drop, drop the price on this. We're going to drop it now. The trade off is that you have to wait six to eight weeks for us to make them in batches for you." And that seems to have gone really, really well. Uh, we so
0: there was no set delivery date on them, but this this is like right. really creative with your with 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 with, with your products, right? Like right. you are saying. Give us money up front. Right. It's going to be very cheap. There's going to be no limit to it. So, so you don't have to to rush to buy it, but you have no guarantee. And I guess was, was there any kind of talk about Christmas in there? Uh, No. Uh,
1: As a matter of fact, we dropped the price at the beginning of October saying, uh, look, you know, it, I know it. The whole dang world knows that we always drop the price at black Friday. We're going to drop it right now. But the trade-off is you got to wait a fair bit. May not even be there by Christmas. Uh, and as a result,
0: specifically saying, don't expect this, don't buy this as a gift and then send a bunch of emails saying you didn't get my gift to me by Christmas. Correct.
1: And on the flip side, we've been able to, we, we did our sale, but we're getting ready to turn off a bunch of the black Friday pricing. Uh, because as we record this, we're what the Wednesday after cyber Monday and, uh, along with that will come a pivot in messaging where Uh, And I I don't know about you, and maybe maybe I'm the only one who had this experience, but oh man, the last two years uh, watching Amazon get more cozy with, shall we say, generous estimates as to when stuff will arrive, (laughs) and then just whoopsie doodle, it didn't. Like that pain of something not arriving in time for Christmas, and you looking like the chump was so painful for me on a personal level that it has become the defining messaging that that we're hammering where it's like every email I'm sending out, I'm only I'd like, if I could, I would make each of the products hold up a copy of today's New York times. Yeah. With a, with a Polaroid photo to prove that it's there in the warehouse ready to go. Because uh, like the way I buy gifts, it tends to be, and this is on a personal level. It tends to be, I have a price range. I know about who I want. I want a level of prestige for having something novel Beyond that, uh, just promise me it'll get there in time, and so that's one of the things we we can't compete with Amazon on price for commodities. We can compete on story, and we can absolutely compete with knowing that we will absolutely get it to you
0: or do whatever it takes to make sure you're happy in time. So, what I'm hearing is that uh, uh, some of the optimism from last year was unfortunately un- unfulfilled in terms of things getting back to normal. So you would be able to get the stuff that, that it's, you it's closer, closer to closer. To normal. So yeah. it is, it is getting there, but not there yet in terms of, because uh, uh, I know you would love to have a bunch of new stuff ready to go at this point. Right. Yeah. But that instead what you have found or been forced to find are very creative ways for which you can get the attention of the consumers and and make a a, a buying decision, uh, uh, you know, in in in, in non traditional ways.
1: Well, it's it's put us in in some ways a power position of of being able to take ta- uh, uh, take stock of what are the promises we can make that other people might not be able to, and and we realize that by, you know, on paper, what's a frustrating thing is that we're a smaller company, but that allows us to be nimble and to write individual emails and make everybody happy. For example, one of the nice things about trying to create such original gifts that don't scale, we only have you know maybe 100 units of X, Y, or Z. All of these are negative things on paper, but what they allow us to do is if a product doesn't arrive or somebody says, you know, let's say UPS says the product has been delivered, and they're like, I don't have it, somebody must have stolen it, every other company on the planet would be like, well, we can't be held to account, now they're yeah. going to explain to you why there's nothing they could do about it. Uh, We try to build everything such that we could do the on paper bonkers thing of saying, well, let's send you another one. Yeah. This time we'll do it this way. And then if that one gets stolen, then on the third one, We, you know, we're probably taking a significant loss, but I would rather take a significant loss and have the legendary reputation in somebody's mind of being somebody who definitely personally saved Christmas rather than, you know, make, make a buck here or there, Uh, which I suppose is a little bit of a trite cliche uh, Hallmark Channel movie way of, of, of running a business. But, but I love it, man. It's, I I wouldn't have it any other way. I
0: think you need it in a situation like you're in now where you are you are building a very loyal consumer base because you need to make sure that they are buying everything that you still have in store right (laughs) whether or not they've bought three or four of them you need them to buy five six and seven because the newbie stuff is not coming out yet now i want to go back to the supply chain because you said it's gotten better it is closer to normal but it is not there yet right how has it gotten closer to normal and what is yet to come
1: uh there are lingering effects. For example, the way we design the puzzle boxes is we have a boutique uh, puzzle box maker in Florida who will send us new ideas, new designs that are blank, and then we come up with a story to etch and to you know how we're going to present them and all of that stuff. So obviously, he, he has them produced uh, at quantity. I think uh, one of them comes from the Philippines and it's got you know uh, rain rainwood or something for one of them. Um, So he's later because he's been later and uh, he hit us up with the new design that we'd like very, very much. But there's no way that he could import all of the wood, get them all made, that we can create the story in the last, what, two months or so. Yeah. So it'll have to be another early spring release for that. Um, Mainly, it's been stuff like that. However, however. Once you're uh, as my dad told me nothing inspires creativity like a deadline. Yep. And so when you're up against deadline, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, what are things we have access to and then we'll call we'll call up the distributor for example. I, it's so funny how you will not realize, uh, what's, what's in front of you. Uh, one of my favorite items on the store is this, uh, magic wallet that it's everything you can imagine a magic wallet should do. If you open it up one way, it's filled with a bunch of cash. If you open it up another way, moths can come out of it. Basically, yeah. you know, you can read minds with it and so on. And the whole reason we got to that wallet was because I used to have a very, very slim version of the same wallet. And then finally I, I stumbled across the physical old slim wallet. And I was like, oh my God, do, do they still even make these? And so we found out they do and they have a bunch in stock. And it's like, yes, let's, let's get our hands on those. And uh, that kind of thinking that looking around and it's like, what can we do? Uh, what How can we make awesome storied gifts out of what we have available to us? is what we've been doing. And and I don't, uh, theoretically, you would think that the best thing is a wide open space, all options on the table. Yeah. You imagine a thing, you can get it. That I am increasingly realizing is not true. What's a real gift is having a menu of options or things to work within those constraints. And especially the time constraint causes you to think quicker about what can we do right now? And we've gotten, the business has adjusted to being much better at that game. And so as a result, going into 2023, you're going to see a lot of new releases because we've, we've built up our muscles of thinking creatively and figuring out how to take um, a, a combination of common objects and make a very
0: uncommon experience. So with that being said, how many new products did you have in 2022 compared uh, to 2021
1: 2021 was a, a known light year in new product releases for us uh largely because of the constraints of yeah. the of, of fulfillment um i want to say we had maybe seven or eight new things in 2022 uh uh in 2020 20- or sorry, 2021 in 2022, I think we've had double that. And I think we're going to have double that again yeah. in 2023.
0: And uh, but, and, and, but, and would that be, would that be closer to where it was the cadence of where it was before? Or would that be even more new stuff than it, than it was going into like in 2019 or
1: 2018? Uh, I I think the goal is to um, because internally, I, I guess we should talk about that part too. Uh, we had been renting out a warehouse and, now we're moving the warehouse here on property. So as a result, the, all of us are working in in the same seven acre production facility. So as a result, I see people every single day yeah. and there's more of those opportunities for casual, Oh, where are we at with the so-and-so thing? Oh, you know, it'd be interesting. Those spontaneous like yeah. idea on idea or, Oh, we were in the middle of shooting this. And then I thought, you know, what about this? Uh, that that's really hard to do when you're spread out and dealing with people remotely and, I mean if anything this has been a year that it's really made me appreciate how uh, I I know a lot of people are not thrilled to be going back into the office but this has been a year where some of the best ideas we've had all year have been have occurred for no it's other things, reason yeah. than because we happen to bump into each other while one of us
0: is going to the bathroom. And I guess yeah that that's something that you had a specific issue because you were at two locations now you're at one location but also I think it is a sign that Hey, you know, there's, there's a reason why, you know, telephone conversations existed before zoom. It's not like zoom was a revolution in, in, in contacting people. Yeah. You see somebody's face, but ultimately how exactly necessary is that? Like, it's all just telecommunication at the end of the day. Right. Uh, but there is something of value for, for being in the office. I always feel like such a, such a, a a. a a a dork saying that though because i work by myself and i i you know so i always i always defer because i know that some people really love and and look i'd also be a hypocrite because my wife works remotely for a company that's in northern california while we live in austin texas so it's like i can't really slam remote working too hard
1: well and uh for 10 years you and i our entire friendship our online relationship the comedy show was all remote exactly it was all virtual
0: uh of all the creative solutions that you have uh dictated, do you think that you would have gotten to any of them if you hadn't had the squeeze of wow, like some new product that's gonna blow the 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 lid off our 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 sales isn't coming through that door. Uh, we gotta think of something. Like, do you think that they would have come, it, come from it or is I, necessity I would like to believe is the they mother would. of all invention? Uh,
1: I would like to believe they would, uh, but uh, I also don't want to. Here's the thing I don't want to do is say out loud that there was anything fun or good <laughs> about the restrictions that we had to go through uh, to to get to this moment, but. Uh, I will admit that that man, when your back's up against the wall, you get thinking real creatively, and you de- there suddenly exists a thing called good enough that you yeah. didn't expect that exists.
0: What do you think? All right, so let's say that 2023, unlike 2022 or 2021, like is the year that if if it's not back to normal, it is now the new normal, meaning that 2023 will look a lot like 2024 and 2025. I'll tell you this
1: much. If that is the case and fingers crossed that it is, uh, we are as a result of the squeeze better positioned to take on doubling, tripling of success in a way that we couldn't have handled three years ago. So like with our backs up against the wall, we had to restructure and figure out systems that could scale very, very quickly. Uh, and, and they, they have, and
0: I, 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 fingers crossed, we're, we're looking at a lot more expansion. So let's say that there is a new normal, And, and so it starts in 2023 of like for a full year. And then that continues for a few years going forward. A new, new normal
1: being less or more than previous years.
0: Beyond what the, 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 uh, volume of your sales are just the realities of this is what we can get this is how fast we can get it let's let's understand that if we don't have the idea for the puzzle box for the for the new christmas puzzle box by you know may right then we don't have one for for christmas so let's think of other things beginning at that point let let's say that that's just that's how it is from here on out or it's like guess what puzzle boxes don't come out for christmas puzzle right. boxes come out for uh, uh uh may and maybe now you do your 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 star wars kenner toys like Pre buy the, the, the puzzle box. Uh, buy buy the empty box now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's say, beyond what the money is, just the way that you have now come to run the company, what's a thing that will have been gone forever? Like, like what is the thing that last existed in 2019? It died in Wuhan. And, and now it is just you have come to the realization that, boy, I, I, as much as I would love for that to come back, it just ain't going to happen
1: i i would say any kind of low margin print on demand anything whether it's just a logo on some socks a logo on you know denim jeans with your logo on it uh t-shirts hats whatever all of that stuff uh that that is a very tempting model because it makes it easy for creators but but i i don't see us leaning into that or or even trusting it anymore it, just because uh, fulfillment's out of our hands, quality control's out of our hands, it kind of reeks of low effort. I'd rather spend more time writing a really good story. For example, of of all things, our friend uh, Ali Spagnola is yeah. selling metallic cards that are etched that says, here's a fake honorary that you have, uh, yeah. AR.T. Uh, congrats, you have letters after your name now. Uh, that's brilliant. Uh, Ali is
0: crushing it. Oh yeah, that video looks so good dude. right right I the, almost, the it's production quality it's embarrassing it, it, it looked, that i look like some white lotus stuff right it's, it's embarrassing because i just keep, always want to just text her uh every time i see something amazing from her which is so often uh that i would just i, I just constantly t- I, I want to i don't do it as much as i should but uh also she's such a a a self-loathing artist as we all are that it's just like uh, uh, it's hard for me to be like, you're amazing. And she's like, I don't know. It underperformed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think I said some version of, uh, you're knocking it out of the park. She goes, what? <laughs> and I'm yeah. like the, the product, the video.
0: She's like, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's the best. We love all love to Ali Spagnola. Uh, she, she just is constantly crushing it. Uh, uh, what about China? Uh, in terms of reliability of ordering stuff and of, of getting stuff. Bigger batches
1: expect it to take longer. And that's part of the reason that, that uh, that's another vector encouraging us to think more creatively and build in bigger margins to, yeah. to stuff that we have no competition on, you know uh, whether, whether it's a new branding of a magic routine or what have you. But uh, for example, uh, our big hangup, um, uh another thing that's going to suffer right now for supply chain issues is any item that has a bunch of constituent ingredients. Like, for example, the Houdini cell is a puzzle box that has, you know, this USB uh, 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 pop top thing and uh, a deck of cards and a pair of thumb cuffs and invisible thread and, and so on. Yeah, and and right. yeah. But uh but of all those ingredients like thumb cuffs are just taken forever. So as a result, this, you know, thumb cuffs is a $7 wholesale item that retails for 20, but now this this $180 item is now held up because of one $7 yeah. ingredient. So we're we're going to do our best to not limit ourselves in that regard.
0: One of the things that I know back in the past was a reality was you know, sometime around, you know, late summer, you're locking in your Christmas stuff. You're a false slate. If you're, especially if you're getting it manufactured, you're putting in your final bids, if not earlier. But that's when like drop dead. It has to be done. You order it. The factory spins up X amount, They ship, Y amount. You assume that you're going to burn through everything within a year uh, or or so but you're making your bet for Christmas that we're going to sell this amount of items by this time. If you then, this is how good things were back in the day. If you then sold out all of it, in, you can like you the could, first three weeks, you could place another order. You could panic call your factory yeah. and say, okay, do this amount. We're going to pay more to have it air freighted out just so we can continue selling these things. Do you think that's just gone forever?
1: Not forever, but but I think like anything else there are moments that um we drift off to sleep for a little bit and that that was a good run where we could just pretend that the world was very small and that you could snap your fingers and within 2 weeks you could have anything from China. Uh we're we're, we're awake now and we realize that's the other side of the planet and they're in the middle of a giant COVID catastrophe and uh,
0: you can't depend on it. I guess that is another thing that really is a, 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 an unknown vector here is that China's a zero COVID country. Obviously we've seen a lot of demonstrations on social media and stuff like that, where people are are a little upset that three years in, this is still the case that they're locking down just as hard when there are, uh, you know, uh, cases, case spikes. But a lot of those cities are, where the factories that make the things that are sold in America are made. And, and as of now, China does not have a, like, no, but the factories stay open, like everything gets shut down.
1: Well, and that's one of those things where if China was still running the way it was five years ago, let's say I made up a magic trick where, and the reveal is there's a, little woodpecker that bobs back and forth on a hinge and finds their card. Then I might order 2000 of those from China or whatever. Yeah. Now I, I'll still have that same similar dumb idea, but I'll think to myself, okay, it'll be much more expensive, but I could make these little bird things out of twigs that are here on campus in the seven acres. Now they're more storied. They're made here. It's much more expensive, much more labor intensive. However, Nobody can, the phone will never ring and I'll find out that suddenly there's no wood in the back acreage. Well, actually I say that and yet we're
0: in a historic drought. So maybe, maybe that call would come. Uh, So have you shifted more to American manufacturing or?
1: Uh, I hadn't thought about it in terms of American manufacturing, but I suppose, yes. Uh, I certainly have shifted more towards stuff that we can directly affect with our own hands. Which, yeah. which, wh- whether it means you know uh, buying ingredients local, locally, it makes it sound like a farm, you know, but, farm but, to but, table. Yeah, exactly. But, but, but you know, picking up, let's say, there's some kind of internal electronic gizmo. I would probably build the system such that I could always get my hands on it at, say, a Best Buy or something
0: if I needed a a recording gizmo or something. It certainly probably is going to make you like you you mentioned in the in the one puzzle box that there are certain things that were very cheap from China. That that you could be like oh whatever yeah when are they going to run out of thumb cuffs it's like (laughs) oh right now Now. yeah so now (laughs) it's like if if there's a multi ingredient thing I think you'd probably keep more of an eye on exactly where you could get all the ingredients if not pre buying. Probably an overload of of some of the trickier ones. well
1: and and it's also put me in a position where I would rather be over leveraged on stock of things, and this is something that was not true like it was a problem if I had eight hundred if I sold two hundred of a gizmo and I had eight hundred left over, they just took up shelf space and it was a real problem now I would much much rather have. Eight hundred extra gizmos yes. of anything at any time, which before, before is you, very, very
0: different. Before you looked at those boxes and you're like, "Damn, these gizmos ain't moving," and now you're like, "Ah, the gizmos could move whenever they wanted." Right,
1: and 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 also, it uh, back in the day, I would look at eight hundred gizmos on the shelf and I'd be like, "Time for a sale. We got to get rid of these." And now it's like, "Time to keep the price exactly the same. Yes.
0: <laughs> we got to hold on to these." All right. Thank you for your time. Thank you for opening the kimono on, on some of this. I know that you want a gizmo, don't you? Uh, 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 I'll just take it. I know. where, <laughs> I know where they are. Uh, uh, you have enough of them, uh, but one more, uh, your, your, your gift uh, or your payment for, for uh, sharing all this information with us is one more big fat plug oh, for man. scamstuff.com. Head on over to scamstuff.com.
1: It's gear for the modern road. Guess what? We have a unique sales proposition. The stuff we claim to have we
0: actually have, and we'll ship it to you immediately. <laughs> yeah, don't get caught up. That that was I did some Christmas shopping on Amazon last week, and boy, howdy, you got to be real careful on on exactly when things are going to be shipping because you go through like especially when you're throwing a bunch of stuff in your cart because I, I was trying to keep, yeah. it. I was trying to keep the purchases for each household. So it's like my my. Brother and sister-in-law, their kids, my mom, like I was, I I kept trying to be like, oh, I'll do different cart purchases as opposed to buy it now. And then it's like, you get to the end of it. It's like, oh, Half these can't be wrapped. Half of these aren't going to show up until possibly two weeks before Christmas. Yeah, I I
1: ran into that where it's like you can kind of tell that where they're where they're full of um, a little bit of BS is once you do quantity two, three, four and the date like just jumps by a month and it's like, oh, you think you could just call China
0: and have stuff show up in a month? I had a think that a uh, spoiler alert for my uh, nephew and niece who are too young to be listening to this. And this would be far too boring for them, but they're getting bikes for Christmas. And I was, uh, uh, it was very, very uh, 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 interesting to play the game of operation of figuring out exactly how big the bike had to be and whether or not it was in their favorite color or their second favorite color. And it was like, you made the wrong move and you got bam! It's like uh butter showing fingers up, showing up <laughs> January 3rd, yeah. 2025. Uh, uh but uh, everything that is listed on your site is ready to move immediately and uh let me tell you. I know my audience. I've seen you all out all of y'all all of y'all can can uh would would enjoy stuff from from uh, scamstuff.com. This is a similar demographic if they're if you are a, a, a wife or girlfriend or, or boyfriend and, and you were looking at one of the usually men listening to this show uh, and you're like, oh, maybe I should get some. Just file it away. Just file it away. Head on over to scamstuff.com when you're done.
1: Uh, I'll tell you what, not for nothing. I, I am really, really pleased with the current catalog that we have. There's not a single item that doesn't feel a little bit sneaky, outrageous and, and will be a delight. And again, you, you get to call us directly if there's a problem. There you
0: go. Thank you very much, Brian. Politics, politics, politics Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. Our show is edited by the brilliant Brett Stewart. If you would like to say thank you to Mr. Brian Brushwood for coming on the show, it is px3guest.com. You can email the program. We're going to be doing more mailbags at theyoungamerican at gmail.com. You can hit up the show on Twitter, px3tweets, and... You can see me live on the internet, px3live.com. Share this podcast with your friends, family, and clergy. PX3 Podcast. If you'd like to hit us off with a little one-time donation for the holiday season, be a Santa slipping some digital currency into this show's... I don't know. I was going to do an explicit uh, metaphor there, but uh, uh, let's say uh, under our Christmas tree. There we go. You can go to paypal.me slash pay jury. Venmo is Justin-Young-20 Cash App is PX3 Cash. And you can send anything you'd like in the mail. P.O. Box 153184 Austin, Texas 78715. The only way you can get our bonus content, though, is TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we missed on our free podcasting schedule. And the $10 tier gets your name right at the end of the show, like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier. Dustin, Jason, Andre, C. Garcia, Matt, Craig Potts, MC Dradio, Unsafe TV Levels, Katie Amanda, Ye Old Pinball Shop, DP4 bongo Catherine Todd, persons familiar with the matter, and Vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Edison, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, select, start, Dr. G, Neil, Charles, Darren, 100-mile runner, Idris Arslandian, Blue Front, and the Lenina, DL, Steven, Chad, Nomadic, Terran, Diana, turn two, Brandon, Janelle, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Ball is awesome, Brad Richard, just another pilot, middle-aged Mike, who loves, Frank, got abducted, Utah, Jimmy Montana, the Gen, A, L, D, L, D, L, D, really? Chopper. Andrew and Joshua. If you would like to join their ranks, you know, maybe it would make a good gift for somebody, you know, just go ahead and uh, sign them up on the Patreon. Wow. It's pretty simple friends. All you got to do is head on over to take I hope everybody has a fun holiday weekend. I'm going to fly on out to Georgia, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, have a little brother weekend. The young boys getting together. Me and my little brother Eric. We are gonna go see a Pittsburgh Steelers game against the Atlanta Falcons. One o'clock. The newly frisky Steelers offense. Kenny Pickett, George Pickett. Oh, baby, they were out on Monday. Is a very encouraging signs. I'm hearing things. I'm hearing things about Kenny Pickett. I'm so excited. I hope you guys have a great weekend as well. We are back next week. Steven Gutowski is going to be on the show. And look, I already made a comment earlier that I'm not going to do, I'm not going to treat Kanye and, and Trump and their dinner with Nick Fuentes as the Cuban Missile Crisis. But the time has come. Myself, Kevin Ryan, we're gonna have to have the full hour long what the hell is happening with Kanye conversation next week. That's gonna happen. Because oh, I, I don't even want to start. I don't even want to start. It's just look, it's a personal thing. I hope everybody understands that it's it's taken me this long to even want to talk about the Kanye situation. Because Kanye's my look, Kanye's my Bowie. He's my Beatles. He's my, 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 Bruce Springsteen. There's just every once in a while you find an artist and they imprint on you at the right time. Boy. do I got a lot of thoughts. I had to make sure that that I thought about them a lot before I just started saying them. And myself and Kevin Ryan, we're gonna go over it next week uh, and then of course again we'll have Stephen Gatowski on to talk guns new CNN contributor Stephen Gatowski good good looking out for the boy till next time is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying some shows talk about politics others talk about politics and still more discuss politics but this this is the only show that dares discuss Oh, <laughs> three. three you have enjoyed this program (laughs) dog and pony show audio